Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur's Podcast. I'm Justin Bazaar. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. For anyone who's out there, you can find us on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneur's, or you can listen to us on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. So that being said, I have Jerry back from Bandwagon Sandwich Company from Colorado. How are you doing today, Jerry? Doing great. How you doing? Good. Jerry and I burned up a bunch of time talking about stuff we probably should have talked about on the <laughs> podcast, but so we're more than than warmed up. So, Jerry, just let's give everyone a, a quick brief description of your trailer, uh, where we left off. Like you've built this food trailer. Um, it's solar powered. It yeah. It has a roof that goes up and down basically, uh, and so it can fit in your garage and where we left off is you've built it, you've got this thing now, and we're starting to talk about what happens. Like, how do you launch this thing? How do you get business in the door? We talked about your wife a little bit and her background, but let's sort of talk about what do you do with this thing once you get it? Like, I mean, it, you've you've come up with the idea that the, the food trailer is the showtime. It's part of the show, so that's why it's called Bandwagon uh, right. Sandwich Company. And so- right. Let's talk about what does life look like? Now you've got this trailer. What do you do with it? So, um, you know, once it was functional, we got um, we got a really cool wrap done. Um, that was like one, one of our first fights, uh, my wife and I, when once we were like, you know, full on into it was like, do we spend the money on the wrap? Of course, it was. It's over the soft marketing clause. It, it is. It's, but it's always. It's, it's always for. It's always been that way for me too. Because when the hard costs, you there's no. Okay, we need a new fryer. We got to spend the money. But it's like marketing. You're like, oh god, one's always going to value it more than the other. Yes, and it, it's always that's always a hard thing to do. But we once we decided we were going to do that. Um, we got my tattoo artist to, uh, design, um, just kind of, you know, he helped us design a logo and then helped us do, you know, make it look more like a stage. Um, and then we put up lighting trusses. Um, so basically the whole canopy is on a lighting truss and, uh, um, I've got lights up there. I've got like, um, our neon sign on the front of it. So it, you know, once, once we had committed to, um, to, to going full on with it, it was just kind of like one thing into the next, you know? And I think it right at the last, the end of the last episode, we were talking about how I kind of stumbled into doing the solar pa- panels, um, for me, it was like, I just didn't want to do a gas generator. Um, and so I kind of went down that rabbit hole and then found out that solar, uh, technology had come a long way and was like relatively inexpensive, you know? So, um, so, and, and, you know, that I feel like in itself is kind of a marketing tool as well because it's it's something different it's like you know uh it set us apart going solar uh and you know we wound up like 
the initial pack that we bought, we had um, these like cheesy little like camping solar panels. So we had to upgrade that. We had to upgrade some wiring. Like the uh, the very first stab at it, it it took some work to get to where we are now. But it's I'm definitely glad that we wound up doing that. Because the other really cool thing about that is I don't like say I'm doing a double. I'm out day and night. When I'm out during the day, my solar panels are charging my battery. And then all night I'm, I'm running off of that battery, but then the next day I can recharge it all over again. So like to me, like not being able or not having to give all that money to XL energy right off the bat was huge, you know, just to not have to, uh, um, pay to keep it like constantly plugged in and all that. So, well, and I think that's a big part, right? That's like, there's the things being self-efficient, right? And there's a lot to be said about that in today's world and regenerating the world that we're living in, uh, for the future. So I think there's a yeah. huge part to this and I think there's probably a lot there. I think other people are probably going to hear the podcast and start trying to design trailers similar to yours. There probably might be some yeah. business opportunity there as well. So sure, yeah. But the 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 main part is um, is that I want to point out to everyone is that we have a plan, okay. And as entrepreneurs, it's good to head in the direction of that plan, but it's also important to understand it's okay to chase rabbit down the rabbit hole sometimes, and you don't want to be Alice yeah. in Wonderland and get stuck down there. But you right. want to be able to chase them because they lead to opportunities that lead to marketing and opportunities and they lead to stories. You know what the great businesses have in the world, the real entrepreneurial businesses or what Marriott does really well as a hotel? There's a picture of the father and son in every hotel. Like yeah. they tell a story. Okay, yeah, so like of the American dream and they, they're also Mormon just so and anyone, in case anyone doesn't know. So there's a lot of compounding family values there. And you know, sure. regardless of whether you agree with it or not. And um, and so that's what's going, you know, that's the type of thing that I'm talking about here is it's those family things. It's the stories along the way, especially at the beginning or especially along the way that you tie into it. And it's what sells and it's what's marketable. And if you're too rigid, you, you miss out on those opportunities and you miss out on the things that actually make your business special, you know. So I love yes. that. So. Let's talk about the the dynamic between you and your wife. Like how, I mean, we talked about it a little in the last episode. She came out of booking for the food trucks and the, where the hot dog stands. And yeah, yeah. you guys have done this together. Like so, and we sort of talked about, well, what are the core values that you guys feel that you have? And like, what are the core values you feel she has that complements you? Right. So, you know, <laughs> family was like, obviously our number one thing was, was we wanted to start our own business to both have something to leave to our kids, whether that is the company itself or money or, um, you know, experience or all of that. Uh, so, you know, we wanted to be a family oriented business. That was like our number one um, value together, but, you know, um, 
having already been married and had kids and seen each other work in in other uh, companies and in other industries, like you know, you uh, you learn a lot about your wife or about your significant other because you're with them all the time. And, you know, having, having kids with someone too, it really like, cause then you start to pick apart like, Oh, she got that from me. She got that from you. You know what I mean? Like you really, uh, you really start to put all that under a microscope. Um, but Randy was, had always been super diligent, super, um, she took work super, super serious. When she was a retail manager, like she wouldn't hug me when I came in to visit her in the store because she felt like that was unprofessional. You know what I mean? Like just very, very much so like work time was work. And, uh, and I always, um, kind of appreciated that about her. Um, and then watching her... You gave me a lot of clarity, actually, in life on that little point, actually, because I forget about it, because my life is so tied to personal life and work life is all sort of so mangled right. that I never think about that, actually. And actually, you brought me a lot of clarity, weirdly. And I agree with you on that, actually. we I don't think about it always because that's not my world, but I, I understand where that is. And if you really want to succeed in your job, you have to set that boundary at work. Sure. Absolutely. And it's, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, it's, it's not always ideal to, uh, intermingle the work and the business or the business and personal life. But at the same time, it's like, who better to work with when, when you know so much about someone and you know, all of their, um, all of their setbacks and all of their, um, you know, their values, their uh, strong points, what they're going to be good at, what, you know, what to, uh, um, you know, and a big part of it too with a partnership is figuring out splitting up the work, you know, because it's like when we started, it's like, obviously we're not going to hire somebody to do prep right off the bat. And especially when you don't know that you have the, the, uh, um, demand for it, you know? So it's like, everything has to be us. So it's like, you know, what, what are you good at? What do you want to do? What do you not want to do? What, you know, where do we outshine each other? Where, you know, where are you the most comfortable? And, and a lot of that, you know, working together, uh, when we worked together for the hot dog business, it was like, it was easy at first because it was like, you know, just kind of fell into where, where we work best naturally. Uh, but then during the pandemic, it was like, it was like, holy shit, there's, you know, nobody nobody wanted to work because everybody could get paid not to work, you know? So then it really highlighted, like, is it about the money? Is it just about the money or do you, can you not work? And neither of us could just sit at home. And, you know, even when we were um, forced into unemployment and it was like, you know, 
essential workers only like uh we went nuts we could not just sit here and not do anything um and that was like a big drive towards starting our own thing because i i could tell then that she wanted to work as bad as i did even when money wasn't a part of it you know what i mean when it was like just about the work well explain that explain that to me because both you guys are obviously very similar in this way and it's an important core value that especially entrepreneurs in a relationship or i don't know i for me i don't like i in my relationships i have to have an entrepreneurial other person um i've just noticed that my entire life if it's not there it doesn't usually generally go well or a business-minded person sure um just because like the high level function, the person could be a musician, it could be an athlete, it could be whatever initially, but there's that mindset. And what you're talking about is that, that I'm not happy just sitting still, that, that I'm here to do more. And I think it's, it's a restlessness. And most people would think it's unhappiness. Oh, I'm unhappy. I'm so unrestless right. and I have all this anxiety. No, it means we're itching to go move. And yes. and go do something with our life and have purpose and fulfill our goals and stop. I saw a great post on this the other day, but I'm just going to say it and you don't have to comment on it. But it's like it's on Faith Rx, and I only bring it up because one, I, it's a good analogy. Whether or not you believe in God or not, it's a good analogy. And what he says is the devil and God work in similar ways. The devil is trying to get you closer to death. And so what the devil does is he gives you little bits of hope through sin or instant gratification. So you're constantly not becoming a better version of yourself that you're slowly just trickling your way down to death. Okay. Which ultimately okay. death is not always just dead. Death is like dying. And then there's God, okay? And God is trying to get you to be the most powerful self you can be and have life and light. And in that, he's giving you trials and tribulations that look like death moments that are hard. Like I've been there like crying on my knees, praying like what the hell is going on? But those are the moments that actually give you life and make you stronger and bring more light to the world. And I just thought it was a good analogy that they're both, they work in similar ways, but they work in opposite ways. Like right. one's, like, they're working in similar, one's tempting you, one's trying to make you work harder and align your will with his will. And that's just, or his, hers, it, whatever, energy. Like, I see God in a lot right. of different ways. So I see him, I see it as female and male sometimes. Ironically, I identify with both and I see it in the energy so to me it's like the three things almost like the Holy Spirit type thing Father, Son, Holy Spirit in a similar way but less male oriented and um, so that's where you are almost it's like there's this moment and you're the, what the devil's tempting you with okay because I don't want to make this a religious show but I'm just going to tie the analogy Sure. is to sit down and do nothing. That's what COVID tempted everyone with, by the way. Here, take the money. Don't work. Don't contribute. Don't right. ever have your name known. Hey, guess what, guys? Take free money. You know what free money gets you? Never known for oblivion. Right. 
I just hate to yeah. say it. No one's going to come to your funeral for taking the money. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. So, You're totally right, man. Like, it's that thing that we don't realize. And here's the other opposite side of it. If you chase the money and you're an entrepreneur, no one's coming to your funeral either because eventually that catches up with you too. Sure, sure. So let's just tie back to the couch. Both of you guys, I just want to anchor those points because these are point-anchoring, pivoting moments that most people stay on the couch. So let's talk about what happens here. Let's talk about this conversation more in depth because that's why I have Jerry back on the show. Like We're talking about pivoting moments that – all these entrepreneurs or even anyone who listens to the show that's wanting to be an entrepreneur, these are pivoting life moments that really matter in your trajectory or how fast you get to entrepreneurial success, which again is not the money. It's just, okay, we have success period. We have customers. We have people that are validating what we're doing and I'm not stressed about money, okay? It doesn't mean that I have lots of money. The point of being an entrepreneur is to provide solutions and be financially okay to build your legacy and those yeah. around you and the dreams of the people that work for you, et cetera, et cetera. So right. go on, Jerry. I'm sorry. I'm like a diary of the mouth right now. So go, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. You're, you're completely right. Yeah. And it was like you were saying that pivotal moment was kind of, you know, we would, obviously we had been talking about, you know, anytime you have a job and especially when you work with your spouse when you have a bad day at work or you have a shitty employee or you have, you know, these, these things to talk about, of course, every employee talks about how they would do it better if it was their business. Right. You know, and that's always, Oh, Oh, and I feel like that's where a lot of businesses come from. Yeah. It's like, well, put yeah. your fucking money where your mouth is. If you, if you, are you know if you think you could do it better than do it you know so that was part of it and then it was covid just changed everything and changed um you know the food truck industry because it was like you know it went from from being this thing where food trucks are this alternative option to restaurants that you know could pop up wherever, or, you know, you could have them at a party. And it was like this, you know, I think food trucks were like considered the fun option pre COVID. Then COVID happened. And and let's talk about this too. They were also considered like, they were almost weren't considered like restaurateurs, like for lack of a better term, your food truckers, you're kind of, you're like foodies with a truck. And so there was this weird, because I was in the business for like since 2011 and we had food trailers. So I know exactly what you're talking about, which was almost like you're respected and everyone comes to you and you get all the Instagram posts. But there's this weird acceptance of food trucks now post COVID that wasn't there before in terms of what I would say quality or mental framework of oh, I can take a date to a food truck. Let's just, uh, that's the best example I can give. Like before I would not or, take a date to a food truck if I first met her. But now I'd be like, oh, have food, a food truck, truck at your wedding. Or, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's that one too. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and, and, you know, it, it, I feel like the culture came out on the better end of it 
but it didn't look like it at the time. It was like super scary. But, you know, we went through this weird transitional period where, um, at least in Denver, if you did, if you were a brewery and you didn't provide food, you were not considered an essential business. So breweries couldn't be open without a food truck. So then it like, it kind of changed the dynamic because, you know, then also, you know, uh, people were still kind of scared to be out of their house at all, let alone eat food that somebody else was making them or, you know, touch something that somebody else like it, you know, it, it just really put everything under the microscope. So I feel like, you know, that was kind of a big motivator for us to be like, you know, we could, we could provide an, an image that is clean right off the bat that, that wipes out that whole, um, rote coach feeling, you know, of like, what's going on in that food truck? Is it just a dude with a microwave and a freezer making hot pockets and, you know, what, what's really going on in there? And we, so we, we were like, okay, we could provide this open air atmosphere where like, not only are you not cooped up, uh, with, you know, and, and air, was a big issue then, you know, because of COVID. So it was like, you know, not only could we get rid of that and make everything open and you could see what we were doing, but we also got rid of being in a hot food truck and um, having a hood and having an Ansel system and, um, you know. And fucking blow my mind because like what the fuck sorry for the audience but like food businesses are the cleanest ones ever they are the most anti-COVID place on the planet period if they're doing food code all we needed to do was up the level of inspection we should have created jobs have more inspectors inspecting whether we were living by food code because all really COVID is we're already wiping it out we already deal with viruses and bacteria every freaking day and food COVID wasn't any different. It wasn't. And you can't no. ship it in the mail, guys. Like, it's just like, grr, But it's yeah. like, I'm sorry, Jerry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Well, I did no. mean to interrupt, so, but I just, I'm sorry for doing it, I should say. Um, because I just am like, it really riled me up because you are right. It It did create a whole industry and the government does that, but there was a lot of other ways we could have done it. But here's the other thing that I will say accidentally it did is it squeezes the cream to the top. New entrepreneurs came out. Yep. The entrepreneurs that were multiple generations that weren't going to make it, like some of them didn't make it right from the beginning. Other ones broke off the pieces, sold them off, and, and started over. But there, there's also a great group of entrepreneurs that sort of rose to the occasion, which is like you guys that yeah. saw an opportunity in the food trailer, food truck space. So sorry, yes. I interrupted you there. So no, no, but yeah, and you're completely right. And it did like, it really sucked to watch so many like iconic Denver restaurants go out of business. That sucked, you know. And I feel like for us though, like in mobile food, 
it was like, holy shit, this is like, this is our time. If, if you can get it together now and figure out a way to do it without a restaurant, you're killing it. Cause you know, like they weren't allowing indoor dining at the time. And it was like, you know, restaurants were really, really struggling and it was, but you know, at the same time, some, some restaurants got really clever with it and thrived during that shit, you know, figured out what can we sell that people can cook at home? What can we, um, how can we do, how can we up our takeout? How can we up our delivery, you know? And, uh, also companies like DoorDash and, uh, Grubhub, it's like, it kind of sucked to watch those big companies make all this money. But at the same time, they were revolutionizing everything. They were, they were taking the restaurant away from the restaurant. And then you saw things like ghost kitchens popping up. Like that would have never made it without the pandemic. You know, it, it, I don't think it would be where it is today. Um, any of, of that side of the industry without the pandemic doing what it did, you know? So it was like, I don't know. It was kind of a weird ride. Um, I think had the pandemic not happened, eventually we would have started something, but it like, it definitely lit a fire under our ass. And then we also were kind of faced with a situation where we had to refinance our house we were already in kind of a shitty loan and then, you know, to go on unemployment for so long and we couldn't pause our mortgage. We couldn't like, we were just kind of trapped in that situation too. So then when, you know, we sat and talked about it, we're like, okay, if we refinance our house, cash out equity, start a food truck and fail, like we lose that equity, but we're no worse off than we are right now. You know what I mean? Because we were Absolutely. on unemployment. Like we, the whole fucking world hit rock bottom. So it was like nowhere to go. Many people up. don't realize this simple fact, Jerry, which is like, stop. Like no one, like investing your money with someone else as an entrepreneur. It's like your money's great sitting there but you're better off risking it and investing it in yourself than you are at just letting it sit there. Like I don't know Absolutely. how to tell, especially when you have experience in the business or you're sure that your experience or your relationship can handle it. Right. It's kind of like uh, owning a house versus renting a house. Like there, it's, it's a safe, easy decision to rent a house. There's no real commitment. You know, you have the, the term of the lease and then you walk away. And if the pipes burst, it's the landlord's problem. If he doesn't fix it in 24 hours, you move the fuck out and find another house, you know, like, but then at the end of it, what do you have? Like nothing. It doesn't matter how long you rent a place and how great your rental history is. As soon as you buy a house, all of that was for nothing, you know? And that's kind None of, of it matters for your credit to actually buy the house. That's the weird right. part. Like you paying your rent payments isn't part of the credit that counts towards your house. Exactly. And they don't give a fuck if you burnt down every house you ever rented. Like 
it doesn't matter. They just care about your credit score, you know? Kind of crazy. Yeah, actually. But, but that, it's, the, it's an interesting thing that we do there. It's one of those weird human actions that, like, it's literally this spiral we spin ourselves in. And it's insanity. I would describe paying yeah. rent as insanity. And, um, but we spin ourselves in circle and actually doesn't serve us any purpose to actually owning a house. It doesn't serve any any benefit. It doesn't help train us to buy a house. It doesn't help us save no. for a house. And it certainly doesn't help our credit history to buy a house. Right. And so it's and, a really and, real thing. And really like um, working for somebody else is kind of the same thing. Like it's great to Bingo. have that steady job. It's great to know, you know, that, if if the company makes a bad decision and fucks everything up, you can go get another job and work for somebody else without, you know, any sort of repercussions. But it's also like, you know, to that house analogy, like, yeah, if the pipe bursts, you have to fucking replace the, the pipe. And that sucks. But you can either A, learn how to do it yourself or B, pay a plumber but either way, no matter what it costs to pay that plumber is going to be better than what you were paying to rent a place. You know what I mean? Because if, if you replace the plumbing, now you have a house with new plumbing, but it's yours, you know? Well, and it's, it's the same with your commercial real estate as companies go into brick and mortars or they get commissaries. Like it's really... You know, or like I'm so surprised more food trucks don't come together, like 10 of them and be like, okay, let's each own 10% of a commissary, but at least we're in it together and we can sling DoorDash and stuff from here and have our food trucks because you're throwing money away. Like you guys are all throwing money away and no one's going to do better than you guys. So if you have like 10 core hardworking entrepreneurs that are also running food trucks, you guys could buy space, do a commissary and the DoorDash, Grubhub whatever uber eats would be through the roof because all of you guys are also building that business collectively together and so it's like an interesting scenario but no one's really done it yet everyone's relying on everyone else i'm waiting because i think someone will figure it out or a group will figure it out but that's going to be a powerhouse and to your other point there's a lot of ghost kitchens and a lot of people coming out in the industry and so a lot of people are getting in food but i will tell everyone this if you're an entrepreneur and you're building a food business and I know there's like Mr. Beast Burger and all these guys who have found Bobby V's. But um, the difference between the two of them is if you're not an entrepreneur, Bobby V has built a 30, 40 year business on top of a family business. And so he has legacy there. But if you're just an entrepreneur that's doing a ghost brand and you're not actually building in, in food and in building your brand, I get it. You can make money over the short run, but it's mm-hmm. unlikely that you're going to make money in the long run or you're going to have a sustainable brand because right. food entrepreneurs, you need to be in your business here and there. I'm not saying you need to physically cook the food, but it's important to be in and on your business, working in your business and on your business constantly, even if it gets bigger because food is a tangible thing. The industry changes, the trends change. The entrepreneur changes, and so the entrepreneurial journey changes, then economics change, our politics change, so those are all important. So anyway, go ahead, Jerry. I just wanted to add that in. Yeah, no, and and you're totally right. It's one of of those things, too, where it's like 
why why are you paying somebody you know and that's totally something i've looked into as far as commissary spaces at least doing something else for you like if you if you're paying you know a lot of people a lot of food trucks are paying you know to store their food truck at the commissary and then they're paying for this commissary space and their their fridge space and all of that but really i mean if you've got a decent amount of refrigeration on your truck you're really only paying for you or you really only need to pay for your commissary to be signed off and you know to have a place to dump your trash and and wastewater and all of that you know so it's like if you're paying a thousand dollars a month for a commissary like you've got to at least figure out a way to make money out of that directly without you know just paying that money in or at least that and you know a lot of companies are successful like that. And I'm not saying that's something that's like, you know, a make it or break it to uh, keep a business going. But for me personally, I have to, uh, um, I have to see direct money if I'm going to agree to pay money into a place, you know? I agree. But, uh, and I think that what you're talking about is at a thousand bucks, for 10 food trucks, that's like 10,000 bucks a month. That's a hefty payment for yeah. space. Right. And I mean, there's commissaries that make a lot of money. You know, there are, there are commissary spaces in Denver that have, uh, you know, the, the first one we were at when we just like had barely, we basically just needed to get signed off to get through the health department. Uh, and the, the first one we were at had 122 concepts out of it. And I mean, I could never get a place to park there, let alone get in there to prep or, or whatever, you know, but that was, that's just their racket. They're like, you know, if there's a taco truck on every corner on federal and all of them are going to get hit by the health department sooner or later. So, you know, basically give us your money and we'll tell the health department you're here sort of thing, you know, but it's, that's, that's a huge industry in and of itself. It's, I mean, there are, there are commissary kitchens that have been going for 20, 30 years in this town, you know? I know. And in New York city, the hot dog carts, just like the ones you're talking about, those commissaries have been going for hundreds of years, you know, the ones that support those. So it's not an yeah. old concept. It's just the food trucks in the modern era and our acceptance of them is so much larger on a global scale. But the problem is, is there's so much room to fill the gaps in between is in, and, and there's opportunity there. So we're a little bit off on a tangent. We're talking about investing oh, in yeah, ourselves. Sorry. But no, we're good. We we both are, and I just picked up on it. But I want to get back to you guys sitting on the couch and wanting to invest in yourselves. But I'm glad we went sure. down that. And again, Jerry, if, uh, I would like to break this actually into another episode. So we'll just continue going, and then we'll break it into another episode. But we'll yeah, uh, definitely. Well, um, let's so, talk about the couch again. Yeah, let's take it from there. And 
I kind of wanted to get into the whole Showtime aspect that we were uh, kind of yeah. touching on on the last episode. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go through it all. So, um, yeah. So we, when we kind of figured that we were going to do this or that we were, um, that we were talking about trying it, you know? So, um, my wife is the safe one. She likes the sure thing. She likes the easy bet and I'm the risk taker. And it's just always been like that. And, you know, the, the whole scenario that uh, I was talking about with buying a house, we went through that and we had that argument back and forth. And it is nice to have somebody to have your counterpart. That's like, okay, well, you know, I know you're not going to like this because it's risky and it's scary. However, these are the possible benefits. And so, you know, we just kind of started whittling away. She's like, well, what if this happens? What if this happens? And in that scenario, because of COVID and because of the um, being on unemployment and everything, like we had nothing to lose. Like we were, there was nowhere to go but up. Um, and so I was winning that argument, you know, that ongoing argument. Well, why don't we start our own thing? Why don't we do this? Um, and you know, we both wanted to do it, but it was like, she had more trepidation and more, uh, reservation. So, um, as we start to talk about it, you know, we kept evolving the idea and it was like, well, why do we need a roof? And why do we need, um, you know, uh, why do we need to pay for storage? Why do we need a generator? Why do we, you know, everything? Like, we tried to pick apart what absolutely had to be there, what could not be there, and then what we could do with what we, you know, with the equipment that we had. Um, and so, you know, we had already kind of pictured the concept and figured that out. We started, um, once we like took that leap and we were like, fuck it, let's do it. Um, I got on Facebook marketplace and just bought a flatbed trailer and I literally went and bought a, a used grill and a used, uh, sandwich table and like physically just like set them on this trailer and started arranging it to see if I could do it, you know? And I was like calling the health department constantly and like, can I do this? And what's the regulation on this? And it actually helped me that they integrated Denver health and the fire department because I could get, I could call one person and get all of my questions answered as we were, uh, as we were building. So um, well, that's an even, interesting, um, thing that even, happened there. Yeah. But even then we didn't like, I still had one foot out. Like if we, if the shit hit the fan or we decided we wanted to back out, like I, I kept telling myself, like, I can still sell this trailer. I can still, you know, sell this equipment and get a good portion of my money back. We're not, 
past the point of no return, you know? Um, and then uh, I got in touch with Casey Goodrich, who was my welding buddy. We talked about that a little bit in the uh, last episode. Um, and he basically, you know, what, once I talked to him about it and I showed him what I had and, and kind of told him what I needed and, and, and what I wanted to do with it. Uh, but he gave me a lot of motivation because he's like, dude, this is totally doable. You can totally do this physically. If he's like, I don't know if the health department is going to clear it, but, but we can physically build this. This can happen, you know? Well, and let me so point then, out something to everyone. Even if you have a closed food truck, the wintertime is freaking cold because you have to run the hoods and it pulls it all is. the cold air in. So you're never warm in a right. food truck. It's a false rumor. You may be moving around and get warm. Um, and it's really hot during the summer because the air conditioning also may be running in your food truck, but it's getting sucked out the hood. And so yeah. it's yeah. like, it's just one of those things that the food truck business is like mental toughness 101. Like it really is. And I don't Absolutely. think people realize that. But anyway, go ahead. So, yeah. And one of those things that we kept talking about with the open air concept and one of the things we kept coming back is like, what do we do when it rains? What do we do when it snows? What do we do when it's negative 15? What do we, you know, and a lot of that, like the answer to a lot of that is not to go do an event when it's negative 15 and it's snowing sideways, you know, and that sucks to have to cancel or to, uh, um, to not do an event or turn down an event because of weather, but when it's that bad, you're not going to make money. Like, because the food truck industry also is, is so weather dependent because people have to stand there to get their food. Even if it's like a brewery where they come out and they order and they get a pager and they come back and grab their food. If it's like really shitty outside, people don't want to do that at all. And you're then competing with every restaurant in the area because even if people would way rather have your food, but they can get, you know, either DoorDash delivered to their door and they don't have to step outside or they can go inside and eat in a dining room, you know, but like it's, it is pretty impossible to sell food from a food truck in a snowstorm. That being said, like we now, you know, we've, we have to tough it out sometimes. There's, we have like residencies that we just have to be there. Um, and it sucks. It's not, it's not like undoable most of the time. But if I deem it undoable, I feel like no food truck should be driving in that anyway, you know, to go lose money. And yeah, there's to a certain degree, it's been a good thing to be like, oh, dude, I, I would love to come out to, you know, your brewery today and make $200 after sitting there for nine hours and feed all your employees for free. But I can't because we don't have a roof, you know, versus we don't want to come out there because we, we won't make money. You know, it's just like it's it's almost worked itself out as um yeah, it goes back to where you don't know when you're having a good day, and it goes back to chase the rabbits down the rabbit hole, like Alice. Right. In Wonderland. 
Right. Now, you know, that's not to say that it's not without its setbacks and its dilemmas, you know, and it's, it did change the way that we had to build everything because, you know, even if I have to drive through a rainstorm, everything has to be weatherproofed. Everything has to be able to get to where I'm going, wipe everything down and set up and do it. So, so it is, it's got its ups and downs, but, uh, I feel like most days, which, which, uh, was why we wound up going the way we did. It was because most days are going to be sunny out in Colorado and you're going to be fighting the heat from the grill and the sun a lot more than you're going to be fighting the cold. Well, and it's 300 days of sunshine in Denver, just so everyone's aware. It's beautiful right. there. I loved living there for that. I miss the ocean, but the mountains, the environment, yeah. I would say generally the people, um, it's just booming there. That's the other thing that's so growing there. I mean, Nashville's growing yes. too, so I'm glad I'm here, especially in the food scene, but in the entertainment and show business, like the, all of it being tied together here for me is a big deal. And we're going to yes. talk about that um, on part four with you. We're going to talk about show business that right after this, but it's, um, but I agree with you. So all of these things have become your blessings, weirdly, because you don't have a roof, you don't have walls. People aren't like, well, you can come anyway. It's a more right. like you, it's an understanding and it draws a boundary that's proper, <laughs> actually, by nature, well, by, and, by whatever. Right. And, you know, because we came from running hot dog carts, like that, that was nothing new to us. You know, when, when you have a hot dog cart, you can put an umbrella up that's about it. You know, you, you can't really fight the elements. Um, but you know, in that business, that's kind of where we got that from because it was like a blessing in disguise most of the time to not have it. If it seemed like you can't physically be there, then that day was going to suck anyway. And it was so much easier than being like, well, I mean, you guys are a food truck, so it's, got to be warm in there and like you were saying it's never warm in a food truck on a cold day like you and when you have to crank the grill up you have and to I don't crank care that how hot I don't care how hot the grill is or how hot the fryer is it's too hot I mean it's too yeah. cold it's not it's never too hot to keep you warm it's cold in the wintertime and when it's summertime like the heat outside makes the grill even hotter i don't even know how to explain yes. to you it doesn't let off any heat during the winter but during the summertime is 10 times hotter <laughs> yeah totally yeah so it was you know it it kind of worked itself out from there we're we're definitely happy with it now just because the benefits far outweighed um the the negative situations that could come from it for sure absolutely so, and jerry can you tell everyone i'm gonna jump leap us into a part four here but sure could you um tell everyone where they could find you on instagram and uh what your website is yes we are um on instagram it's bandwagon underscore sandwich underscore co and our website is www.bandwagonsandwichco.com. And everyone out there listening in, thank you guys. I love you guys. I appreciate it. 
give us good reviews, follow, subscribe to the podcast, at least give a good review for the entrepreneurs you're listening to in those episodes. It helps them get viewed. That's the way the algorithms work. The more comments, the more likes or loves um, and listens, the better they do. Um, So if you want them to do well and the podcast to do well, that's how it works. And um, thank you again for everyone listening in. You can find us on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts and we're out.